And I thought, oh my God, I don't know what my real voice is. I don't know, because I'm just like, you know, talking like that and putting on silly voices all the time. Oh, no, right, oh, silly. All the time. And how exhausting is that for people to have to listen to? Let alone you as the person doing it. You are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. Mopad. Trying to find out how to do life. But it turns out nobody knows more. If you are like me and also like Luke Honran, who's the guest of the show today, uh, you you like homework. <laughs> you like homework. And if you do like homework, then you might want to give the other podcast, <laughs> the, the only other podcast, Griefcast, uh, a little listen, the one with Luke Hanran. So you have a basis um, for knowing what we're talking about uh, on this episode. You can totally listen to it even if you haven't heard anything else, or even if you've never heard about Luke Hanran before. It, um, she does refer to... And also, before you listen to any more of this, and if you have any any kind of triggers, do just quickly check out the trigger warning that is always in all of the episode descriptions, just to make sure that this won't uh, make you very sad very quickly. Um, so check that. Good. Uh, Lou talks about, not in great detail, but she references the uh, her loss of her baby, and it is horrible. It's a ho just a horrible, horrible thing to have happened. And on Griefcast, she talks about it in great detail. She's also written articles about it. She's done a whole stand-up show about it as well. So I didn't feel the need to ask her about it in detail. But she does reference it throughout the episode. And uh, if you want a fuller understanding of what she's talking about, you can go and listen to uh, Griefcast or read some of her articles. But... Uh, so yeah, that was just a little bit of extra homework if you want. Also, in general, Griefcast is a very good podcast, so you should listen to it anyways. But not now, because right now you're listening to my podcast. Stay, please stay. So I just, um, Luke Hanman just left my hotel room while we did this uh, episode. She's an incredible person. I'm very happy um, about this conversation that we just had. She rightfully so commented on... Um, and I forgot if I mentioned this in the last uh, pre, uh, pre-chat intro thingy on the last episode with Harriet Dyer, which I recorded in the same hotel room, that I tore down a wall of the hotel. I, we're recording this on um, what I thought was a table, so I wanted to remove it from the from the wall. But it wasn't a table, it was attached to a bit of the wall that then came out with the wall. And then I took a, I took a shower today... Um, and the, the thingy that, I don't know what you call it, the, something fell off the tub, broke. I'm breaking this entire, I've been here for 24 hours, I've ruined this entire hotel room. It's not good. But uh, but then I also, I didn't have a do not disturb, I mean this is, you know, first not even first world problems is it, but I didn't have a do not disturb sign, so I've just been like anxious all the time that people will disturb me. And uh, I went to the reception to ask for a new do not disturb sign because I didn't have one. And they said, oh, I don't, we don't have one here, but we can send someone up with it. And I was like, 
but then I'll be disturbed. <laughs> That's the whole point. So I was like, yeah, can I just put it on the door? <laughs> just ask them to go up and put the do not disturb sign on the door with the do not disturb thing um, showing, please. <laughs> it's just my anxiety. It's really silly. It's really weird. Uh, I am hungry, so I've been shoving my face with... Oh, Danish Danish sweets that I got from an audience member in Cardiff. And oh my God, I almost cried. Like of all the things you can give me, of all the gifts. And I get a lot of gifts. And I'm so happy about all of them. But Danish sweets. Oh my God, I could have cried. And um, oh, it's just so good. I can't explain it, but it's better than anything in the whole world. I love it so much. I love it more than any sweet, anything, any pudding, any... Like, I would happily live without cake and chocolate and ice cream and uh, anything. Panna cotta, eaten mess, fruit. <laughs> I'd live without all of that before I would live without Danish sweets because they're the best. Oh, I also got a really pretty uh, fridge magnet, which I love. That's another really good gift for me because I just have, now I live alone, so I have my own fridge so I can decorate it the way I want. So fridge magnets, mwah, mwah, love them. Anyways, this, is the, this has been Sophie Hagen's guide to what kind of gifts are you allowed to give me? Oh God, it's really getting to my head, isn't it? Um, I'm going to let you listen to this episode just a bit. I'm still on tour of the UK. I am going to be in... Liverpool, Newcastle, Birmingham, Bristol, Leeds, Exeter, Norwich, and London. Then I'm going to the Edinburgh Fringe to do my new show, The Bum Swing, which will be at the Queen Dome at 7pm all of August, apart from the 12th. Yeah. All the details are, of course, on edfrench.com, my tour, sophiehagen.com. My other podcast are called Secret Dinosaur Cult, and I think it's time for you to listen to it. And uh, I wrote a book. I can't believe I forgot the book. Uh, happy fat is about why it's okay to be fat you should definitely buy that and listen to that listen to that oh you can listen to it as well actually um there's an audio book there's uh an ebook there's a physical book there's all sorts of ways you can <laughs> read it uh right what else did i want to tell you oh yeah i'm sorry again about the schedule depending on uh when dave will have time to edit this episode it, uh, it it'll come out just i'll, I'll ask dave to put it out immediately just because I'm still catching up uh, with, I think I've missed now, it's two or three weeks, oh my god, I'm still catching up from the four episodes I lost, I'm, you know, mid uh, mid book release, mid everything, so it's all very stressful right now, so I promise you we will get back on track and it'll start coming out every single Wednesday and no one will be stressed, and this is a message for you as well, Dave, I'm sorry, sorry for sending you all these messages, <laughs> these messages, sorry for sending you all these episodes super late, you can probably hear how much of a mess my head is at the moment uh, due to just how much I'm ruining hotel rooms and eating sweets uh, and it's all just a mess anyways forget about the mess uh, I now will introduce you to my chat with the incredible Lou Conran <laughs> Just for people who might not know who you are, do you want to give a, an introduction? Okay, so I this is always awkward, isn't it? When I know, people it's go, the Tell worst. us about yourself. Uh, I always get paranoid at like interview situations or with, you know, like in group stuff when people go, oh, tell us about yourself. I always go bright red and I don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so I'm a comedian and writer, used to do acting um, and that's about it really. Yeah? Yeah. Are you based here in... 
Yes. So right now, when we're meeting you in this very, very moment, yeah. where, where in your emotional, personal, work, life are we meeting you? Like right now, what's happening in your life? Right. Oh, crikey. Uh, do, do you know, like, when sometimes you'll yeah. do an interview and then the next day you'll do another interview and then you're like, oh, but I was in a much, yeah. you know, I was going through a yeah. thing or I was really happy. But, you know yeah. what I mean? So I've just been in Edinburgh for a couple of days and that, uh, for me, is always a bit weird when the festival's not on. Um, but, um, and the last couple of Edinburgh shows that I've done have been very personal and very um, emotive for me. And last year's was really hard work. Uh, so I kind of have a little bit of a, um, what's the word, a kind of a repeat um, memory, I suppose, of being in Edinburgh. So uh, going back for the last couple of days, it's like, oh, 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 the festival's not on. Oh, I can relax. I don't have to go into that panic mode. You know, when you're on the train and you're going up to Edinburgh and it's like, <laughs> yeah. But so I went to the National Gallery yesterday and I've never, in all the years I've been to Edinburgh, never done that. And I love art. And um, I just spent the afternoon in the art gallery and really chilled out and really enjoyed my gigs. And then I got up really early this morning. And so you find me in a place of tiredness, but actually quite settled. Yeah. For now. So <laughs> for now, yeah. Do you feel like you've... Because um, I know like being in Edinburgh outside of the festival feels... So weird, yeah, doesn't it's it? Weird. And the Edinburgh Festival in itself almost feels like a whole year of emotion as yeah, <laughs> you go through yeah. so that. This one month becomes yeah. the biggest month of the, mm. of the year. Do you feel like you've got closure? But like, well, it was, I felt it. Yeah, it is closure, isn't it? It's a bit of a cleansing process because I'm not going to Edinburgh this year. Woohoo! Um, and so. Uh, just to actually be there and experience it as a normal person in a normal scenario with normal Hindus, normal nut jobs on the street, normal people everywhere, whatever normal is. And then just being there without people shoving flies in your face and just having that panic which is just really refreshing because you see it as a city that, through completely different eyes. Um, And I think it's particularly poignant, as I say, because I'm not going back this year. So it's like, ah, this is great. This, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, a cleansing process, I suppose. What's behind the choice of not going back this year? I think because the last couple of shows I did were really personal stories. Um, and I got to a point earlier in the year where I was like, I've got nothing. I've got nothing left. I've got... I feel like all my stocks are depleted. So I'm, I'm like, it doesn't really matter if I don't go back because there's absolutely no point me going to do something just because I feel I should do it when I've got nothing to say. I've literally, I've, I was at a gig a couple of weeks ago and it was a new material night and I was hosting it. And I, I think I'd just sort of like got to a point of like, oh my God, I just, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I don't know, I just feel exhausted by everything and I, I just stood on stage and I went I've got I've got nothing left I've got nothing left and you know when you cut them they're like oh ha 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 and I'm like 
no, 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 really, no, I really, really don't. Any questions? Yeah. Because I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I literally had like a, my stocks have completely depleted and it was like my cupboards were bare. And which actually was frightening as hell at the time. But now I'm like, ooh, I get to restock. I get to put new stories in. I get to sort of just not worry about anything. And it's so nice not having that panic. What's the difference? Is that the same in your personal life as well? Do you kind of feel now as if you are in a place where it's all kind of... Yeah, I think... I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is there, if Because if we're not... Because I've done three semi-traumatic shows (laughs) and the feeling of going oh I kind of just want to be funny now or you know oh there's nothing that's really bothering Mm. me right now it's sort of yeah I think once you've when you when you've done shows that are so personal um I guess once you've come through that you're just like oh nothing really matters anymore does it nothing really matters I've I and if I well, I was, I was about to say, if I never did another show again, it wouldn't matter, but it really would. But um, for the way I feel at the moment, it's like, oh, gosh, I, I'm taking each day as it comes at the moment. And that's a really nice place to be because I'm, I've, the last few years I've permanently lived in a state of, right, what am I doing now? What's tomorrow? What's in the next five minutes? What am I? Oh, my gosh, I didn't do that thing. Oh, I should have done this. But now I'm like, oh, well, let's just see what happens. So, that sounds really nice. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's quite freeing to sort of allow yourself to just be. And I'm really trying to be like that at the moment. Be as trying to be mindful of my own self-care and my and my own um noggin, I suppose, just looking after my head and my attitude towards things, but trying so hard to be in the present. And that is really difficult, but it's so far, it's going all right. What made you start uh, taking care of yourself and self-care? And, you know, there's always like a, oh, yeah. if I'd only started doing that when I was 12, I would have yeah. been in a much better the, place. Yeah, I think the catalyst is Edinburgh. Because I, um, uh, in 2017, did a show about losing my baby, which... Uh, was at the time was re- something I really needed to do because we all do stuff like that don't we when we, you have a tragedy you you do what you think is good for you at the time um, and then I did that show and then every day I had people coming up to me afterwards telling me their experiences um, and it's just me going home after that show every day having to deal with my own loss and it was only it wasn't even a year after really that I'd started writing the show and then I had to deal with other people talking to me about their loss um and so the I suppose the memory of that coming back and doing a show the following year which was kind of a follow-up show but I'd kind of gathered an audience from the previous year and they came back and they were still talking to me about their experiences now that's I've opened the door for that so I have to expect that but I started getting pins and needles in my head I started getting physical reactions which um, I now know is um, the brain going you need to just have a break because you know you're on that treadmill of keep going keep going keep going but when you're not listening to what your head's saying physically your body just goes right okay we're just going to shut a few things down now 
and if you don't listen to this then you're a twat and I was a twat sofa <laughs> and so just kept going and then pins and needles were getting and I couldn't move my head so for and that started on day one of Edinburgh last year wow so and I was having like cranial massages and I was like seeing doctors and and as soon as I came away from Edinburgh uh, I think because my, I'm doing it now my shoulders were up by my uh, ears and um, as soon as I came away the relief and it took a couple of weeks for it to all settle down and I was like oh wow this yeah I need I can't go back next year I just can't do it to myself and then I think um I see my head lady and uh and she was going oh right well well we haven't really dealt with this properly have we I haven't really dealt with everything that's going on, have we? I haven't really. Oh, we'll write a show about it, shall we, Lou? Shall we, shall we do that, shall we? Oh, OK, right, well, we've done that now, shall we? Shall, shall we really deal with this now? OK. So after that, you have to listen, don't you, to your body and, and yeah. your own reactions. So I'm now like, this is the point where I'm like, oh, OK, I just need to be nice to myself and just take the pressures off. And actually, it's really, as I said, quite freeing just to go, oh, I'm going to allow myself to feel what I feel today. Now, at the moment, I feel uh, really good. Um, I've had some sleep. And, oh, lovely. And your room smells so nice. Oh, thank it's God. really soothing. Thank God. I mean, you did say as we came in, oh, it might smell of sleep. That's absolutely yeah, there's fine. There's no window so. to open in here. It's very... Uh... Can you not open your windows? Oh, and this tiny, tiny little window now. Oh, no. They don't want you to throw yourself out, so if that's <laughs> what it is. Yeah. But I noticed you haven't touched the wine on the shelf. I have not touched the wine because I've been alone and it would have felt... Uh... It would have felt weird. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not. No. I, I envy people who can do that. I just don't think I'm ever in the mind space to no. be like, I'm going to get drunk alone. Because I'm yeah. like, but then who do I try to, to snark? <laughs> who do I well, kiss that, if you, I'm drunk alone? Well, there, there is that. You could always just walk the corridors at that night. That is true. That is true. <laughs> and then get banned from the chain of. <laughs> well, there is that. Yes. Yeah. Act responsibly for the love of the Lord. <laughs> now, do, does, did your therapist have a point? Did, was the doing the show, uh, did you postpone something or did you. When I when I my my, my um, frame of reference is that I did my show about my emotionally abusive grandfather, and after I'd done I had stage fright that whole month. <clears throat> I'd never had stage fright before ever. It was another like body mm. going. No mm. no no, <laughs> this is mm. not okay. And my therapist was like, "Well, every time you do that, you kind of re-traumatized yourself yeah. in the process of telling these stories. Yeah. So this has not been a nice and good thing for mm. you to do. Mm. I think." At the time, doing it, it was helpful at the time. But it's not, it's, as I said, it's not until afterwards that you go, oh, gosh, I thought I was helping myself. And in a way, I guess I was, because I was processing it the way I wanted to process mm. it. But um, you, you are taking yourself back there every day, and you're reliving it every day. Um, and I thought doing a different show last year I thought oh I'd have cleansed all of that but actually I had to acknowledge the show I'd done the year before so mm. yet again I was still talking about it even though I was it was a completely different subject but I still had to reference it um and I think the point at which I really needed to sort of have a word with myself about everything was um because I'm very much, I'm very impatient. I like to write, okay, I'm fine now. Okay, all right, well, we'll shut that away. Let's move on to the next thing. Um, 
and I went to, um, this, this sounds really ridiculous and grim, I went to a baby loss awards ceremony. Woo! What's that? Yeah. So the, this lady set up her own award ceremony to kind of um, uh, keep the subject of baby loss, um, uh, ironically, alive, and uh, and to award people that she thought had done well on their journey and to award sort of nurses and blah, 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 blah. And she asked me to, um, could I do a section of my show as a speech in this award ceremony and at the time I sort of was like yeah yeah I'm all for let's yeah raise awareness let's do all of this so um I sort of put a chunk of the show together and not really wholly being aware of what it was I was going to and I'd taken my friend with me um thank god I did so we walked into this room and um in the sort of reception before the main do, there was just photos of people's dead babies up on the walls, just photos of their dead babies, and um, no trigger warnings, nothing. And then throughout, and they had said to me, oh, do you have a photo of your daughter that we could use? Now, no, there's only one or two people that have seen the photos that I have of my child, and that's for me, and that's for my that's my thing, you know. I don't want people to see them. That's my personal thing. So I said no. Um, so that she was quite harsh. Um, but I thought, no, no, you, I'm quite willing to do some material at your awards, do, but you don't get to see or use photos of my daughter. And um, and we went into the awards ceremony. Oh, lovely meal, diddle diddle da. And the tension in the room was really weird. Um, and then they were every award that they announced um, they showed a photo of the the award nominee oh for best something or other blah 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 but they also flashed up a photo of their that person's dead child and so for two and a half hours me and my friend god bless her was subjected to photos of people's dead babies and I think that was the catalyst <laughs> that made me go oh I am not all right about this at all but who would be yeah poor Susan was she hasn't she was with me um at the hospital when I went through it all so she was very close to it and after the awards she was like mate I am three days later she said I'm still having flashbacks of those photos so Christ knows what you're feeling and it really um traumatized me seeing all of that as it would because mm. as I said there was no trigger warning nobody mm. told me that that was what was going to happen and the lady herself who ran the award ceremony the day after said um oh I've been di diagnosed with PTSD doing this award ceremony and I thought I'm not I'm not surprised. Why are you doing it then? Because, you yeah, know, holy I, I had my physical reaction in Edinburgh and it made me think, I need to readdress a lot of things. Yes, I'll go and do your award ceremony. So in the middle of this award ceremony with all of these photos and everyone crying and everything, I then had to go up and then do my 20 minutes of comedy to an audience who were probably as shell-shocked as I were, um... And had to be funny in that situation. But I couldn't do it. I just broke down in tears. And during yeah, the entire Edinburgh show, 
about the loss of my child. I never cried once because I, I, I didn't want to. I, it was my conscious effort. I didn't want to cry during my show. But I was like, I was a complete mess. Yeah, of course. And, uh, and then afterwards, and then, you know, Susan saying, I'm still getting flashbacks, so I don't know what you're feeling about this. And then it all just blew up. And, I, and that's when I was like, mm, I need to have a little bit of self-care here and just... So that that was a massive trigger, but actually, it, for all its negativity of that happening, it's actually been really positive because it's made me go, oh, we need to address a few things here. Have a year off. Don't feel bad about it. Go and enjoy yourself. So that's what I'm trying to do. What have you learned about how to deal with that? Do you know, as you, your head ladies are the therapist. Yeah, yeah. Have you learned any actual? Is it is it all about? treating yourself well have you learned some things you can do act, like I'm always when, when my therapist hates me because I'm always like yeah but tell me something what can I read which books can I read yeah I, I have that where I'm like I I feel like I need homework I need yeah. to be set some homework because just chatting about it I can do that with my mates or I can I can I'm very well I don't know whether I'm very good at processing stuff for myself but I logically I have to work out Okay, so I know why I feel the way I feel, but I now need to know how do I help myself? How do I get myself out of that? So, um, but head lady is like, no, no, no. What we're going to do is we're just going to we're just going to talk through this. Why have you just said you know? And she challenges me, and I'm like, no, I don't want to be challenged. I want you to set me homework. But actually, <laughs> that's her way of going. Right, you need to approach this in a different way. But what I have learned is that I don't have to put up with any nonsense in my life because going through all of that and then um, trying to look after yourself, um, you filter out the things in your life that you do want and that you don't want. And I have cut out, I mean, quite ruthlessly, I've cut out people from my life, I've cut out situations from my I've cut. I have literally cut back on so much in my life to just look after me and I've never done that before um and that's uh quite scary but really exciting she says <laughs> do you see like a does does come how do you phrase this does arriving into that place make you reflect on what you were like before when you were younger and go oh that's why mm. I did that or, oh that was a lack of yeah I think so I think um, I think only now I'm starting to work out who I am and at the age of 44 she's not she bloody is <laughs> at the age of 44 it's like oh my god it's taken all of this time like, I remember doing uh, a level college there was a bloke called Darren Massey um, who had a really hairy mole, and uh, he uh, he was delightful. But he he said to me one day, I was about sixteen, and he said, "What's your real voice? What is your real voice? Because you never speak in your own accent. You always put on an accent. You always pretend to be somebody else. Who are you?" And I was massively offended by that massively offended and then I went home and I thought oh my god I don't know what my real voice is 
I don't know, because I'd just be like, oh, I was talking like that and putting on silly voices all the time. Oh, no, right, oh, silly. All the time. And how exhausting is that for people to have to listen to? Let alone you as the person doing it. And, uh, and then that threw me into a massive spinny because I was like, I don't know who I am. And that was at 16. So from that point, oh. then I went to drama school and then you're constantly trying to be somebody else at yeah. drama school. And then you're trying to fathom out who you are as a person whilst trying to pretend to be other people. And yeah, it's been chaotic for the last Christ knows how long. But only now, um, you just work out, because I was quite, uh, apparently quite extrovert and really, but that's because I didn't know who I was. And you're trying to be accepted by people, aren't you, for whatever reasons. And now I would say I was quite introverted. I am, have gone completely the opposite way, I think. Wow. Yeah. Was it a defense for something? Um, I guess so. I, uh, I guess I was just never, I was, was I shy? Hmm, I don't know. I was shy to a point at school where, but I went, the extreme I was always the class clown the idiot because I didn't know how to be who I was and that then I kind of I think when I was sort of early 30s I just stopped it just stopped doing that because it's really exhausting isn't it trying to perform all the time and then you have to sort of have a little look and go oh oh what if I stop doing that what will happen and what did happen? Absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't, as, I wasn't as tired because I wasn't trying to be somebody else all the time. So I've been sort of, I think that that sort of shyness and that element of, I mean, my friends will be laughing at this going, she's shy. <laughs> but there, there was sort of, um, um, social anxiety I suppose as to how you speak to people and how you behave in normal situations um, and that kind of wasn't until Darren Massey with the hairy mole had said who are you why don't you just use your own voice and then when I started to use my own voice it felt massively alien because wow. because I didn't know I didn't really know what I sounded like that's yeah and it wasn't until I started doing stand-up try and having to use my own voice without doing characters and stuff, that that's sort of when it all sort of turned around a bit, actually. So if you were asked that question now, who are you? Mm. Would you know how to answer? No, because I'm still, I, I'm still figuring it out. I don't think you ever know who you really yes, are. I was about to say, do you think there mm. is a goal where you go, oh, this is it, <laughs> I'm done now? No, because I'll always be searching because I'm never satisfied. Always be searching, I think always reading the books right what you know how do I do this and how do I go about that what do I do how can I help myself here yeah I don't I suppose it's you know perfectionists I'm not perfection well I don't know am I I don't know but perfectionism you know you're always searching for that thing and then when you get it then you're not happy with it so you're always looking for that other thing aren't you which makes a lot of sense in terms of because that's what stand-up is you're never done with stand-up. You can always get better and better and better. Yeah. There can always be more and more jokes and more and more shows and more and more. That was one of the reasons I love doing stand-up. You're never finished. 
yeah. there's no goal yeah it's just constantly feel like you're constant. doing your homework yeah. all the time the homework. Yeah. yeah yeah always always never a day off is there but then if there was a, if there was a day off yeah god what what yeah but that's why that's why i said if it was a defense mechanism or if it was fleeing from something or postponing something or ignoring something i mean i think feel like that's what most people are doing mm. all the time mm. everyone but i think it's very interesting to go like what is it exactly that i am trying to avoid right now oh probably hard work in it you just <laughs> oh, me and my sister are so different nicola is a scientist she's a professor she's a professor of biochemistry she lives in brazil she, uh, she speaks portuguese she does all of her research in portuguese she's sort of she'll kill me for saying this because she's <laughs> like oh no don't say that but she's sort of potentially helped to find a cure for sickle cell disease which is amazing yeah and she's always known that that's what she wants to do. She's always known that science was her thing. She's always been so focused on what she wanted. I mean, she wanted to be a forensic scientist, but she's ended up doing biochemistry. Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> but she's brilliant. She's always had that focus. And I've always been the complete antithesis of that. Science versus creativity. And as a creative person, I think you're always your outlet is different isn't it so you're always kind of flitting this is my excuse anyway flitting <laughs> around trying to fathom out oh am I going to paint today or am I going to write a poem or am I going to tell some jokes or am I going to make a patchwork or what it's my it's we're trying to find that thing isn't it but if you like a little bit of everything where do you put your focus because it's like spinning the plates isn't it whereas Nicola's always been yep that's my aim that's what I'm doing where I'm like, still spinning, still spinning my plates. And if you're then also a perfectionist, then all of the things, have, you have to be the perfect painter and the perfect uh, yeah. stand-up and the perfect. And yeah. in order to be that, you have to, it's all full-time jobs. So you suddenly have seven full-time jobs in your head. Yeah. Trying to be the best at everything. Yeah. yeah, trying to be the best at everything, but not being focused on any of them because you just can't concentrate on it all. Were you younger or older sister? Younger. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's classic, isn't it? It's classic younger sister. Yeah. Yeah. But you were always into drama and yeah, performing. Always, and always, always. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense with the personalities and the... Yeah. Well, that's, oh, well, that's another question, isn't it? Is it... Was it your, your actual... Like, your voice, the sound of your voice, or was it also personalities things just sort of I think it's changed yeah every I, I guess it's like oh well if I put on a different voice and become somebody else then if they don't like that person I can then go and be somebody else but if I'm just speaking my normal voice and I have to be me then oh I, you open yourself up to that vulnerability I think it's because I was quite badly bullied at school classic but and then having to put that defence on and then going to a completely different college to do my A-levels where it didn't matter who I was because I was with like-minded people and that's when I... St when Darren Massey did me the biggest favour at the age of 16 by saying that. Where are you now, Darren, with your hairy mole? <laughs> um, yeah. That so how old were you during the bullying? Oh, from... Um, 
13 up to 6, 15, 16. Yeah. Oh, that was a shitty years. Yeah, yeah. Is that something you've dealt with? Um, I kind of, yeah. I mean, it's just, I've just sort of, you know, you just do, don't yeah, you? Yeah, well, that's good. Cr- yeah, I think I feel the same it. way. But yeah. I wrote about my bullying in my book, <clears throat> not thinking about it at all. It's like, this a tiny thing. It's just what happened to her. And it wasn't until now when it's out, people start messaging me about it and being like, you couldn't read through that. I was just crying so much. And I was like, oh, okay. I've not really. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think it's just, part, it's just part of it, isn't it? I had a different head lady um, who used to cry when uh, about things. So when I'd, I'd got kind of gone, yeah, I was bullied, blah, blah, blah. For me, that's not... I don't really, I don't want to analyse it because it's just something that happened. So I'm exactly the same as you. It's just not glossing over it. I'm not, don't want to hone in on it because it's just one of those things. But when I was telling her, she just started crying. I mean, I didn't see her for very long because there's no point paying her the money when I've got to hand her the tissues. But she's like, oh, I'm so sad for you. And then she'd start crying about this stuff. And I'm like the hell are you doing are you all right and then you're not supposed to become the counselor with your own counselor yeah yeah. no (laughs) but yeah so I I I don't really see it as a massive issue because it's just something that happened so but if it hadn't have happened and Darren Massey hadn't have said what he'd said then I don't think I'd be as resilient you have to have a thick skin on stage obviously and I think that's kind of really helped so I'm not recommending bullying, by the way. If you, <laughs> but, no, but I'm just saying it's it's you know it makes you who you are, doesn't it? Really. Well, I was about to say, do you often think I'm obsessed with butterfly effect and the idea that that one person at one point could have said one thing, yeah, and that means that now you're here, where yeah, who knows where you would have been if yeah, yeah, you know, the sliding like, doors thing, yeah, yeah, like yeah. what happened to make? Because mm. even to think like. Uh, your sister in Brazil, a scientist, and then you here, a comedian, and yeah. what was it? What's the difference? What made yeah. the what's in what's it called inherent? Um, what did you? Is it nature nurture as well? Yeah. And yeah. I'm obsessed with those ideas. Yeah, I don't know how Nicola and I ended up so different because my mom and dad are not. Um, I, I don't know. I don't. I I have I no idea. No idea. Nicola literally used to get home from school and play with her DNA beads. And I would get home from school and play with myself. <laughs> but she would, she'd be like, you know, she was always massively into it. And I don't know, because my dad's not a scientist, my mum's not a scientist. I don't know where that's come from. So. Wow, are they performers? No. Wow. And my auntie, this is why I want to go on Who Do You Think I Am? Because my auntie did um, our family tree and got as far back as, I don't know, late, early 1800s and And there was a Conran family residency, I think at the Adelphi Theatre in the West End. And so one of them was the master of ceremonies, you know, and they all used to perform and do their little family routines and whatever. And so there is performance there, but like, you know, centuries ago, which I find fascinating. I love all of that sort of stuff, but I can't see where the science, the science has come from. So I don't know where Nicola is a, an anomaly, I think, in the family, <laughs> which is brilliant. God bless her. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it, though, for how it all happens 
I'm so fascinated by Ooh. it. So a question I always ask on the podcast is, <clears throat> uh, what would you most want for me to ask you? Ooh. I know you've been talking about your your loss on many platforms, so yes, there's no need yeah. to go. I feel like you've yeah. talked about that. Yeah, now. I have. Yeah, if yeah. If people want him, grief. Your episode with, on grief cast with Carrie Lloyd was amazing. You did a show about. It, so that's I imagine yeah, that's now. what you're being asked yeah. a lot. Yeah. So maybe there's a, you know, the, you know, and this is such a, of course, not the same thing, but you Ooh. know whatever I talked about in my 2015 show, I'm still being asked about it. And you're kind of yeah. like, oh, that was just a joke. Yeah. I didn't watch show. But so I'm thinking, what's the thing that when you're being interviewed or when you're having these chats that you're like, oh, I really just want to talk about that. Or like, um, do you know, because I, I'm, I'm so sort of trying to be living in the moment that it's today, it's probably... Ask me what roast dinner I'm going to have later. Are you going to have a roast dinner yes, later? Yes, I bloody well oh, am. My yes. God. Well, which one? I'm going to go beef. Yeah. And um, and I'm going to have your Yorkshire puddings. Oh, yeah. And I will have your horseradish, but I will have your English mustard as well. And uh-huh. if I can, I'm going to ask for some stuffing because I like a bit of stuffing. <laughs> we're doing it. it on this tour me and Amy we're going by every single Toby Cavalry we can find are you yeah we have, oh we've my had God. three roasts uh, over the course of four tour shows do you uh, triple meat of course I do no yeah. I double meat you double meat I king What's size your, double yeah. meat yeah I tried turkey for the first time not a fan it doesn't have any taste well no it doesn't have a taste so no. then I go uh, I go beef mm-hmm. usually mm-hmm. then I think I tried pork mm. It's very fatty, and just, sometimes the crackling is delicious. But well, I'm from Denmark, and the crackling we have in Denmark oh, is just superior to everything. Of it so well is. I'm kind of disappointed every time I get it here. Yeah. So I'm go for beef, and then maybe the pork, but mm. usually maybe chicken. Love, love a chicken. Are you a dry dinner, or do you like a lot of sauce? Ooh, I think a lot of sauce, but yeah. I used to be dry because I didn't know if I liked the sauce. Yes. I was anti-roast for a long time because I thought you? it didn't look good, mm. and now I realise it's actually Christmas. It's Christmas food every of day. Of course it is. It's well, Christmas every Sunday. Every Sunday. <laughs> yeah. every Sunday. I have to have a jug of gravy on the side just for oh. me. Get off my gravy. Oh, yeah, of course. I like it wet. Yeah. I like it the gravy hot and steamy. I yeah. want as much meat as I can get in my chops. Thank you very yeah. much. But I think the cranberry or whatever it is, the sweet cranberry sauce is the most important thing. If, it's, if it really? doesn't have that, then what's the point? What's the point of the whole thing? I'm going to be controversial here, oh, Sophie. And I'm going to say, don't cross the streams. Don't do sweet and savoury. I don't. What? No, no, it's not for me. You're a psychopath. What's I, happening? Well, I potentially I am, Sophie. We'll find out later in this hotel room. What about a, <laughs> what about a wire pizza? Oh, uh, Are no, you joking? No, I can't do it. Oh, my God. I can't do it. <laughs> This I can't is awful. do it. Oh no, we're never going to be friends now. No, this is awful. This is awful. I can't do. I have a friend that puts apricots in her pasta with grapes. <gasps> with grapes? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. What in like? Just chops them up, like does a pastry salady thing, and put. I'm sorry, Fiola, but it's wrong. Um, Fiola, call me. <laughs> You'd get on really well. I think so. Uh, she puts the. No, don't. I can't. And fruit in cheese, because cheese is one of the most important things in the world. absolutely. Don't put fruit in cheese, please. It's, you know, like you get your cranberry, your Wensley Dale with cranberry. Yeah, absolutely. No. It's great. Raisins and bread. Now, I could handle that. Yeah. I can handle that. Raisins in curry. Oh, yes. Get out of here. Oh, my God, that's the best. Coronation chicken, get out. 
No. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> See, these are the important things. How <laughs> passionate I've got about it. That's Sophie. next show. <laughs> yes. Thank you. It's wrong. Oh, God, no. Yeah, this is where I'm at. Just, yeah, let's get the important things down with. No, you need to set, you've learned yeah. to set the boundaries. This is I am great. setting my boundaries. <laughs> I will double meat. Don't put any fruit with it, please. Thank you. Otherwise, you can get out. Thanks. <laughs> Puddings, though. What's your pudding of choice? Oh, ooh. Oh, Eaton Mess. Ooh. I am obsessed with Eaton Mess. It's the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. Delightful. I am mm. obsessed with it. Mm. I like it when they put a little bit of lemon curd in as well. So it's too um, oh, is it? bitter. Yeah, no, it's too uh, tart. Yes, yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> what's yours? Uh, I'd have to go sticky toffee pudding. Oh, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Okay, with custard. Well, I don't like any kind of bread, bready thing with any kind of sweet. So cake, <gasps> don't think I've ever actually admitted to this in public oh before. Okay. I don't actually like cake. I'm not into cake. I don't like any a, kind of bread thing. Take a moment silence there, Sophie. Well, it's like, um, what's the one? Uh, tiramisu, mm -hmm. in theory, would be amazing, but that's the bread bread element. Don't like so it. So you don't like trifle? You're not, not when there's the bread no. thing in it, no. no. I can do it if it's crunchy. Mm, it's, so it's a like macaroni kind yes. of yeah, but yeah, okay. No, not into the bread. Panettone. So that's the Italian sharing bread type thing, but oh. it's got the fruit in it, and that's probably not. No, oh, doesn't sound good. Oh, <laughs> sound I'm going to send you one at Christmas. You'll change oh, yeah? your mind. Yeah, <laughs> I was like a yeah. like a threat. <laughs> yeah, Sophie, I'm going to send the, you a panettone. Eat, All right, eat the goddamn panettone. <laughs> yeah, I like it because they're in a nice presentation box. It's the box I like. That's what oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. No, I get that. I get yeah. any, anything to do with storage. And some of them are down in booze which oh. now she's perked up look at this well, I'm not really into booze or coffee with, oh. with like in right. food mm. I okay. can have it in a cup we'll change your mind about this <laughs> we'll never go out for anything else we'll just, we'll just kill each other <laughs> yeah we'll agree to sit in different rooms and eat meals <laughs> different separately. restaurants yeah let's just wave to each other from across yeah. the street <laughs> just text you alright yeah yeah mm. is that part of the self care thing is a proper roast and I think so yeah I've been oh so I've been doing um I've been doing a hypnosis app Ooh. for it's a virtual gastric band oh yes friend so I've been trying to look after myself and because I have no sense of portion control whatsoever I will eat everything in sight if if I can I will um uh, always been a keen eater but I love my food without the fruit thank you <laughs> but so but I was got to a point last year where I was like I just couldn't relax within myself and I found this app online and it's like oh we're gonna give you hypnosis and we're gonna give you a virtual gastric band and I have since lost a, just under two stone on it right and I feel great but the best thing about it is, because I don't like diets or anything like that, because I don't like... They don't work. I, well, no, and I don't like the feeling of being restricted and told that I can't eat what I want to eat. This has just made me go, oh, I can eat exactly what I want, but just remember to stop eating just before you're full. 
So it's been a revolution for me. So that's been my priority since October. Just like looking after myself sort of physically in that respect. Like I don't I don't have to eat all of the Toby Carvery just because it's out. I don't have to eat it all. I mean it's a all you can eat buffet, so you probably shouldn't yeah. eat. <laughs> yeah, which is why I've not been to one since I've been doing this app. But um but it, so looking after myself physically and trying to make myself feel better because I've always had body issues and I've always sort of, um, um, yeah, battled that as well. So I've just, I'm kind of, it starts within, doesn't it? This is the big thing. Starts within. Like yourself, help yourself in that respect. Physically make yourself feel better if that's what you want to do. Um, and then everything starts to slot into place. So I'm, I'm getting there. So this has been, if I want to have a roast, I bloody well will have a roast. So alongside the physical thing, do you manage to also work on your, how you view yourself? Because sometimes you have this idea in your mm. head, if I look like this, I'll be happy. But you also have to work on, the, on that aspect, because then you end up looking like that and you go, oh no, the sadness was yeah. inside all along. The difference with this is, because I've done Slimming World and I've done Weight Watchers and I've done all sorts of stupid faddy things, the difference is in your head you uh, those meetings you get told oh my goodness you're going to have the body that you've always wanted mm. and i don't know what the body i bought i don't know what body i just want to feel happy in myself and this is the first time for, oh my god i'm saying it out loud for the first time first time physically that i don't judge myself when i look in the mirror oh <gasps> That's quite, I've said it out loud. That's amazing. My nipples have gone erect. <gasps> wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I don't... I... I. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of... That's amazing. Mm. And that comes from within. Mm. That doesn't come from having changed it. Or it having changed. It's... Like if you, suddenly, if you were suddenly too stone heavy and now, just like that, do you but, think you could still... with? Uh, what's it called? With keep keep up the non-judgment. I don't know. This is where I am at the moment. So <laughs> staying in the moment, staying in the present. Yeah, I'm listening to this app, and it's. Do you know what it is? It's because it's positive affirmations that it you're listening to. So I'm instead of focusing on oh I'm disgusting, I'm actually listening to a positive affirmation of somebody going oh you're great, oh you're this, you're that, blah blah blah, without any question of my physicality or what I look like it's just imprinting in my brain oh you're you're all right you you're okay and that's the difference is instead of being critical about my appearance I'm being nice about myself and listening to it in my head whether it's subconsciously because I'm listening to this app while I'm sleeping or whatever but that's the difference so it's for the first time I'm the positive affirmations that I'm implanting are really helping Big day, Sophie. Big day. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? How I often think, when whenever you see anything where they want to sell a product, the answer is always like, oh, it has to be hard. It kind of has to hurt. Mm. It's going to be very difficult. You're going to have to restrain yourself. Mm. When everything people say in therapy is, no, the answer is be nice. Yeah. The answer is positivity. The answer is, yeah. oh, no, not positivity, but, you know, the whatever makes you feel really good is often the answer mm. you know like it's I, I keep it's like with stand up when you're really really nervous uh, I was really nervous before a gig and what's his oh what's his name Bob 
older comedian, like, has been, like, a pub something. God, I can't even forget his name. He's, like, a legend. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Bob. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, Bob. <laughs> yeah, Bob. Yeah. Uh, and I was, like, oh, I'm so nervous. It was, like, an open spot. I was, like, doing ten minutes. I was, like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous. Oh. And he looked at me, and he was, like, well, then why do you do it? If you're not having fun, then why are you doing it? Bob Monkhouse, is it? No. Well, maybe. No, I don't no, think so. not Bob Monkhouse. No, I'm throwing out any Bob there. Well, you only mentioned one Bob. I don't know what other is. Well, in my head, oh, and the other one is Bob Carroll G's. But oh, it's not him. No, <laughs> it's, no, it's, not, it's him. not Bob Carroll G's. But anyway, sorry. It was just a really good part. He was just like, well, it's meant to be fun. He says yeah. it's meant to be fun, and I keep having that in my head with everything. Wait, hold on. This whole thing is meant to be fun. You know, why am I putting myself through anything if it's yeah. not fun? Yeah. Why? But we're so conditioned to yeah. do things that are, oh, they're a bit tough. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of have to uh, be in pain to get anywhere. Yeah. You know, you're not really, you don't deserve anything unless you've been through pain first. And, oh, actually, things are meant to be yeah. good. Like, it's meant to feel good. It's meant I, to be I a had hip- hypnosis uh, when I, uh, oh, I'm talking about it a lot, but... Um, when I first started, because I so desperately wanted to do stand-up, but I was crucifying myself before... If I had a gig booked in, three days before, I was nervous, I was a wreck, I couldn't concentrate on anything, the anxiety around it. And then um, I had somebody else said to me, why are you doing this if it gives you so much um, pain? I was like, I don't know, <laughs> but it's an addiction, isn't it? But um, so I was having hypnosis to try and uh, conquer it. But actually, you can, uh, it's a very specialised hypnosis, isn't it? Oh, now I'm going to t- tell you this so that you can go out there. And actually, it's all just within your own head, isn't it? Yeah. And then Gary Delaney years ago actually said to me, um, you have to fail to appreciate when you win so I was like oh yeah there we go the wise old sensei (laughs) Harry Delaney yeah yeah and after that it sort of unlocked a door for me that but we do put ourselves through unnecessary why we why do we do it yeah why we've been Mm. well capitalism but (laughs) (laughs) I remember dying the first time on stage in Denmark oh my god it felt so bad oh god I bombed so hard it was it was horrible and I went to this other pub where there'd been another gig on, and I was just like in the bar, like, give me a whiskey. I was like, oh, that tastes horrible, put coke in it, ugh. And I was just so sad, and I was like saying to the other comedians, like, oh, I'm not gonna, probably not, you know, don't have to give me gigs again, because I'm so bad at it. And they're all congratulating me. They're like, you've died. Like, well, finally you've died. Because you've been really lucky for a few months now. Your first few months, you've been too lucky. Mm. Finally, now you're becoming a comedian. I've been all cocky. Oh, I never die. I never die. And then they're like, "No, no, you're meant to die. That's the whole yeah. point. Is you're meant to have these gigs that just kill yeah. you on the inside." Yeah. And then, oh, and then I went back to that gig and died two more times in a horrible room until I killed. And I was like, "Yeah." Okay. okay and okay. the the sense of achievement from yeah. that, yeah, yeah, kind of ending up in the in the right place. Yeah. God, we're weird, aren't we? (laughs) Blame the bullying. Blame the bullying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. So when did you start then? 2010. Blimey. I'm almost, I'm nine years in. When did you start? Well, I've dibbed in and out. So I first started in 2004. 
five, I think. And then I did it for a bit. I did a little comedy course thing and I was like, oh, this is all right, isn't it? And then the whole way through that course, I was like, oh, I'm really good at this. Oh yeah, oh. And then we had like the comedy course graduation. Um, and it was like a bit of a competition and oh, who's gonna, who's gonna win the comedy course graduation? I came last, I died on my hairy hole and I cried for days. But when I came off stage, I was like, in a little bit like you, yeah. you were saying like, oh, I, I, yeah, but I'm good at this. And I died in front of, and I'd had all of my friends there. Oh. And um, I had to, so I came off stage and some bloke came up to me in the bar and he went, he went, oh, well, well, you've bombed, haven't you? You've bombed. Yeah, never mind. Let me get you a drink. And I was like, oh, God, that's somebody I don't know acknowledging what mm. I know. Mm. And then I couldn't sleep because I had to then go back to work the next day Oy. and work with all of the people that were in no. the, had come to see me. And it was like the elephant in the room and everyone was like, you're, you're right? I was like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Oh, God, it was horrific. So I sort of dipped in and out after that um, and then moved to Brighton. And you just like, moved away. Yeah, yeah. Just I thought, I'll death. just run away. Yeah. There we go. That'll solve it. <laughs> moved to Brighton and started again there. Um, and then, uh, and then I was like, oh, well, this is this is weird. And then sort of came back to Manchester. I do flit about a bit, and then started properly. So back in 2010, 2011, I started doing it properly from then. I think the story, the main, the word that kind of describes every single story you've told and that you tell is resilience. You mentioned it yourself. Mm. Do you know where that comes from? Do you think it's been built up in you? Do you think you're a naturally resilient person? Well, Sophie, the, the name Louise, if you look it up in the, in the name dictionary, means warrior. And I think I am a warrior. I think, yeah, I think I am resilient. I think I just have this natural... <sighs> I think I just have this natural thing where I just have to get through it. Life would be really nice if it was easy, wouldn't it? <laughs> and I don't like to make my life easy. And I, we'd all be pricks. Have you ever met someone who'd had a nice life? They're really annoying. Yeah, they've been, they've gone. They've gone. <laughs> in my couple of years of get rid, yeah, I don't I don't have that in my life anymore. Yeah. I try not to. Yeah. But resilience, that's a really, yeah, interesting point. Yeah. I'm a survivor, da 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 da. I'm Beyonce, that's basically what I'm saying to you. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> okay. guys. Thanks. That's what I'll put on the episode name. Yeah. <laughs> I am Beyonce. That's my chat with Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. It'll get the downloads in, won't it? Yes, mate. Yeah, do it, do it. Yeah. But yeah, well, I think we all have to have, have a bit of resilience, don't we? Which is why we why we do what we do. Mm. Did you ever want to do anything else? Yeah. What did you want to be? But not after I discovered stand-up. As soon as I discovered stand-up, that was it. But I, wanted to, I worked in a, um, charity organisations. Wanted to save the world. Uh -huh. I was really good at it. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, dick jokes. Yep. Oh, that's also fun, isn't it? 
<laughs> oh, you've got to love a dick joke, though, haven't I you? I can't love a dick joke. It's yeah. just so much fun. Yeah, I wanted to be a gra- well, I wanted to be an actress, but then I wanted to be a graphic designer as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I kind of had that wrestle of... I did my school work experience in a graphic design company, and I loved that because I like art and I like drawing and I like painting. And um, that, that was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that equally hard business to get into. Yeah, and then then I was like, oh, I could just go to drama school and dick about for a couple of years. Yeah, I'll just do that. Do you think that was because? Do you think part of that was because you want to be seen? Because with graphic design, you'll have your name out there. You'll the people within the industry will know you, but it's not going to be you. It's going to be your design. I don't think I ever, ever even thought about that. I think I. I always thought that I could always do art and painting in my um, downtime. I'll always be able to do that. But acting, while I've got the opportunity to go to drama school, when I did have, I thought, that's the time. That's when I should do it. So you're happy? Yeah. 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 Good. <laughs> Increasingly doubtful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh no. Oh, no. no. I am going to be happy because in a couple of hours I'll have a bit of beef in my mouth. Yeah. No cranberry. Don't you? No. Don't cross the stream, Sophie. Don't cross the stream. I want to ask you the last question, which mm-hmm. I always ask. So, 138 episodes. Yeah. So, here's the situation. Um, you're holding yourself as a baby. Mm-hmm. This tiny Lou, you've just been born, mm-hmm. and she's crying because mm-hmm. she's just been. Say it's all felt safe and now it's all scary. And um, you, can, you can't give any advice. So you can't change the okay. way she does life. You mm-hmm. can't change anything in her life. Uh, she'll forget everything. So any kind of do this, do that won't work at all. But she's looking at you like, what's life going to be like? And you know what life's going to be like the next 44 years of her mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. So you can say anything you want about what you can expect. So what would you say to teeny tiny baby you? Um, I I would say never forget how fabulous you are. God. Yeah, because we do, we forget to say that to ourselves, don't we? Yeah. Do you still need to be told that? Um, sometimes, yeah, but just a little reminder, yeah. But if nobody else is going to say it, you've got to say it to yourself, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I didn't realise just how deep this was going to go, Sophie. I'm very proud you did it in your own place. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Or is it? I'm actually Scottish. <laughs> I mean, Larry Dean was. I would have preferred him to do so. I could understand. Um, where can people find your stuff? My website is www.luconran.com um, and there's loads of stuff on there and that's basically it. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. It's been really good. And have a good roast. <gasps> I bloody well will. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Please, 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 please go and make sure you tell Lou thank you for being part of the podcast. It always means the world to me when you're being super nice to the guests. And they, they're they always super happy about it. They're always like, oh, people have been so nice about the episode. And it just means the world. It means the world. So I know, I know for a fact that I got guests on this podcast because of the way that other guests have spoken about how nice you've been to them. 
So it makes a difference. Other things that make a difference is, you know, five-star reviews on iTunes and telling people about the podcast and tweeting about it and uh, Instagramming about it, all the things I can see you do. It means uh, the whole world to me. Now, I want to address uh, about 40 minutes into my conversation with Lou, I became aware of the fact that I had to ask her the baby question at the end. And this is just me being very flawed because I didn't know what to do. Do I not ask her the question because of what happened? Because that felt like that would be very condescending. I mean, I know what the right answer is. The right answer is I should have asked her beforehand. I hadn't done that. I hadn't even thought of it. It hadn't crossed my mind. Genuinely, I didn't even... I just didn't think of it. And that's my flaw. That's a huge flaw. Duh, I, I will definitely, definitely learn from that. But the situation I was in was, wow, in about 20 minutes I have to ask her this question. Do I ask her or not? It's condescending not to. It feels condescending and wrong not to ask it. But also asking it, fuck. And you could probably hear it in my voice. You could probably hear that I was trying to figure out how to phrase it because I, I kind of phrase it the same way each time with tiny little differences but fuck I really paint a picture and well you'll know by now that I did end up asking it and I said to Lou afterwards I was like fuck I didn't know what to do I'm sorry and which is probably flawed as well probably it's probably condescending as well to be like oh I asked that question oh well, maybe it's not even condescending. Maybe it's just, you know, demanding more emotional labor for her. Anyways, um, she was, she seems to be okay with it. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to let you into the fact that, into my thoughts behind it, because I'm sure the, the those of you who've listened before and who were prepared for that question, you were, might have been thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's all a bit of a thing, isn't it? It's all a bit of a... Do you know what do you do? What do you do? What's the right answer? What you know? Yeah, oh, there the right answer is to ask it beforehand, which I didn't do. Anyways, I'm going in circles now. I just want you to know that I was very aware that that might not be be how to do it. But I, if there's anything I've learned from the people who I know that have lost, is that any kind of is don't treat them as if they're made of porcelain. You know. So I did end up asking the question, and um, I think I would again. But if I had the choice again, I would probably just have, God, prepared her. This is all waffle, isn't it? But it's my podcast. It's my podcast. And uh, it's my podcast because uh, you're helping me out so much. You're the reason I keep going. Thank you so much for listening to it. And uh, the ways that you can help the podcast is by helping it, sharing the word, but also helping financially. I know we don't like talking about money, but it's very, very crucial to do so because it's such a big part of doing podcasts in general. It's just making sure you have the support and you have the finances to keep going because it is surprisingly expensive <laughs> to do this, but I love it. So uh, the people who support it with one-off donations, you're uh, amazing and I don't mention you enough. You can give a one-off donation on madeofhumanpodcast.com. If you are a patron, you help in a whole other and similarly incredible way. If you give, so you can go to patreon.com forward slash mopod, M-O-H-P-O-D. 
And give... Oh, did you hear the burp? My God, I am sorry. <laughs> uh, you can give whatever you want. Basically, you can give a dollar per episode, two dollars per episode, three, five, ten, fifteen dollars per episode, twenty dollars per episode. Whatever you want to do, I will only ever release a maximum of one a week. Now, sometimes they will come out so that you get nothing for two weeks and then three in one week. But that's just this time here. At the end of the month, it'll still end up being the same amount as if I had released it once a week, if that makes sense. And then it all happens automatically. Uh, it's like a subscription. You can cancel it at any time. And uh, but, but for the time that you do support it, it means the world to me. And the people who give $5 or more per episode becomes a friend uh, of the podcast. You can also choose to not be on this list if you don't want your name in it. That's absolutely fine. But the people who have chosen to and the people who are friends of the podcast, the people who give $5 or more per episode, uh, also have their names butchered at the end of each episode, which is what's going to happen now. So I would like to give a huge thank you to Andrea Papillon, Andy Walker, Ashley Salmon, Alton Blue Sky, Barry Norton, Caitlin Catpose, Cherry Vin... Cherry Winter, Claire McCowlin, Connor O'Donovan, Danny Beckett, Daniel Reifershee, Daphne Fanger, Eleanor, Emma Appleton, Emma Chan, Fenelladon, Privacyosaurus, Aurora Terratops, Fiona Richardson, Her Ugh, Hannah Rose Tristram, Harold Van Dyke, Harry Minna, Minot, 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 Heather Watson, Helena Thomas, Ida Sergo Larsen, Inga Ellingsen, Janie Mahoney, Joe C., Kathleen Gudmundsen, Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Engelsen, Katty, Katty Travis. Now we had a bit of a thing. Should we? I think Katty, Katie, and Kathy. I think that counts. I think that's a three, a group of three. I don't think we're gonna include Kathleen or Katrina. Okay, that's my controversial judgment, but that does mean we have a group of three. That means we have a group of three. Now, let's see if Rachel's still winning. But if not, then we have the Kathy Katie Catties as a very strong runner-up. We then have a Kim Williams, Kirsten Davidson, Queen T, Lily and Harry French, this time in Dinosaur Onesies, it says. Mari Fraser, Mansour Mia, Megan Roberts, Paul Swaddle, Perpetual Motion, Pierre Feneux, Rachel Hemsley, Rachel Evanheim, Rachel Furley, Rachel Phillips, still the four Rachel, still in the lead. We have Ragdoll, we have Robert Knowles, Robin Kappa, Sarah Ferreira, Igasith, Sarah Allard, Sarah Plumer. So that's three Sarahs as well. We have three Sarahs, three Katie Katies. And then we have Susie Tyler and Victoria Layton. So those of you called Sarah, those of you called anything like Kathy Katie or Katy. And I will say, like, you can choose your names on this, right? So Katrina Engelson and Kathleen Gudmundson, if you're used to being called Katty or Kat or Kathy, maybe you are your name. Just saying it's a possibility. I'm not trying to rig the game. Okay. Oh, God, this has been so waffly. I'm so sorry. I'm in a state in my head, and I'm going to go now and do a gig in lovely Manchester after having trashed this entire hotel room. Now. Uh, I want to say a huge thank you, like bigger than ever before, to Dave Pickering for producing this episode and just for generally being super patient with me, to Harriet Brain for writing and recording the jingle, and to Linga Brinkhouse for the logo, and of course to Luke Conman for being a guest on this show, and to all of you for listening. Thank you so much. I will speak to you maybe next Wednesday, but maybe just really soon, hopefully. Okay, bye. Mm -hmm.